basic instructions before leaving earth. Welcome to Joy Unspeakable. Your host is his conference speaker and prison minister, Perlene Nolan of His Joy Ministries. It is our prayer that as Perlene shares the good news from the Bible, it will touch your life in a very dramatic way. Listen now as Perlene shares with you from the Word of God. Well, greetings in the name of our wonderful Lord Jesus. Thank you for joining us on this radio station. We are going to explore some exciting things about the kingdom of God on this program. The subject of the kingdom of God is near and dear to the heart of Jesus. He spoke of it often. In Matthew 6, Jesus states that we are to seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness and everything that we need would be given to us. What a promise! Everything that we need. Jesus also gave us more kingdom insight. Listen to Mark's recording found in Mark 10, verses 14 through 16. People were bringing the little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, he put his hands on them, and blessed them. That was from Mark chapter 10. Do you want to enter the kingdom of God? Then you must become childlike. Being a mother of three and a grandmother of eight, I began to think of what that meant to be childlike. The first thing I thought of was how little children love unconditionally and trust so easily. When I play with my granddaughter, my little baby girl, I can put her up high and she falls into my arms laughing simply because she trusts me and because she knows that I love her and I will not harm her. I can take my grandbaby's hand and lead them across a busy parking lot and into the store without them worrying or stressing over it. They trust me and they know I will not leave them or put them in harm's way. So trust is a necessity in seek in the kingdom of God. We must trust our heavenly Father with every aspect of our lives, every detail. Secondly, little children forgive quickly. If you've watched children playing together and one little kid hits another one, after a few tears they'll just be right back playing together with the offense quickly forgotten. Wow, to be more like that. Wait a minute, I said that wrong. Forgiveness is not an option for kingdom seekers. Listen to this from Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, Jesus replied, seventy times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so the king ordered that he, his wife, and children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the king and begged him, O sire, be patient with me and I will pay it all. 
The king was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. This fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient and I will pay it, he pleaded, but his creditor would not wait. He had the man arrested and jailed until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. He went to the king and told him what had happened. The king called in the man whom he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison until he had paid every penny. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters in your heart. That was in Matthew chapter 18, and Jesus was speaking. Well, I don't know about you, but I think I'll choose to walk in forgiveness. Forgiveness, by the way, is not decided by your emotions, but it is an act of obeying the Word of God by faith. Emotions will come later. The third thing about children is that I've noticed is they love to show out in front of their parents. All of my kids and grandkids have had to put on a show or plays or skits or just be plain funny, requiring my presence as the audience. I get the distinct impression that our Heavenly Father would like a little of that from us. Our religious traditions and man-made ideas have just taken the fun out of being a child of God. Kingdom folks are to have to learn to loosen up and enjoy their wonderful Creator's presence. It's okay to have fun. It seems like they were having fun on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. The fourth thing that I've noticed about little children is that they are typically very curious. They love to search out and to explore and to investigate. However, one evening I was playing hide-and-seek with two of my grandkids. At last it came my time to hide. I ran into one of the bedrooms and hid behind the door in the dark. I heard the eight, nine, ten, here I come, ready or not. Well, she found her sister quickly, and then they began to search for me together. Mama, where are you? Both of the girls called out. I could hardly wait for them to find me so I could grab them and tickle them and listen to their squeals of delight. But I could hear them talking to each other. But it's dark in there. I'm afraid to go in there. I was so disappointed when they yielded to fear and just quit hunting for me. At that moment, Holy Spirit spoke so clear to me. He said, That's the way it is with me. My children are afraid to venture out into the unknown in the realm of my presence, when all the while I'm just there waiting to be found. But fear robs them. Their curiosity isn't strong enough to press through. All the while I have gifts of joy and gifts of peace and gifts of power to give my children, but they yield to their fears instead." The last thing that I thought of when looking at a little child's characteristics is this. Children model their behavior after their parents. You know, the monkey see, the monkey do thing. That is great if the parents are doing good things for their children to duplicate. Our Heavenly Father desires us to copy Him. Jesus said it like this in John 5 verse 19. 
I assure you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Well, what was it Jesus was doing? He was healing the sick, casting out devils, preaching the good news, shaking religious mindsets. You know, Jesus was doing the stuff. And then in John chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17, Jesus said that the works he did, we would also do and even greater works because he was going to the Father. It's in there. I challenge you to read it. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 20, The kingdom of God is not just words, but it is power. Power of Holy Spirit working through kingdom seekers should be a very normal way of life. And then Paul wrote in Romans fourteen seventeen that the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in Holy Spirit. Kingdom seekers, here are your instructions. Hunt for your heavenly Father's face. Trust Him. Make sure you forgive all offenses. Be filled with His Spirit. Do the stuff and walk in His joy. Now, thus far we found out that Jesus said we must become like little children to inherit the kingdom of God. How do we do that? We trust totally, forgive quickly and completely. Be curious about the things of the Spirit. Copy what God is doing. Enjoy your heavenly Father. Do the stuff. Do what He does. Do what He says and you will be a kingdom seeker and be childlike. Now, we're going to explore yet another aspect of God's kingdom, and that being that the kingdom of God operates on a farming principle. The farming principle is this, seed, time, and then the harvest. Put in cotton seed in good soil, allowing some time for development and growth will produce a cotton crop. Our Heavenly Father has designed everything on this planet to operate in the seed time harvest principle. Even you are a product of seed time and harvest. So you say, wonderful, but how in the world does this apply to me now? Well, thank you for asking that question. Let's just explore some of the ways. For instance, do you need money? The world system says about money, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on top of the can. But in God's seed time harvest principle, it says to cast your bread out on the waters, and after many days it'll come back to you. That was Ecclesiastes 11 verse 1. That simply means to turn loose of some money, plant it in good soil, wait, and the harvest will come to you. The world system is always opposite of God's system. In Luke 6:38, Jesus said to give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Let me ask you this. If I put one cotton seed in the ground, do I get just one cotton seed back? Well, of course not. There are dozens of cotton seed along with the cotton just from one little seed. If I put one watermelon seed in the ground, do I get just one seed back? Of course not. I receive hundreds of seeds back along with the watermelon itself to enjoy. This, folks, is kingdom principle. Plant what you need, wait, then harvest will happen. The key is to be obedient and not be impatient. God will bring the harvest in His time, not yours. Another thought. 
If I plant one watermelon seed and get several watermelons with seed in them, what would happen if I took those seeds and planted them as well? In God's economy, one plus one does not equal two, but hundreds and thousands. Also, another angle to consider, what if I took my watermelon seed and planted them on hard clay soil? Would I get my hoped-for harvest? Absolutely not, since it isn't wisdom to plant any seed of any kind in unyielding, hard, unproductive dirt. So, if you need money, what do you do? You plant some money seed in good soil. Who is bearing good fruit for God? That's good soil. Stick some money in it. Well, what if you need healing? Find someone who is sick and begin to pray for them. Why? You are planting a healing seed. What will happen after a period of time? Harvest or healing in this case. Do you need a friend? Sow friendship in someone else. You'll get a friend. Do you need clothes? Get one of your best outfits and give it to someone in need. The result? You got it. After some time, you'll receive clothes. If I want watermelon, do I plant the green bean seed? Well, of course not. I might have been born at night, but it wasn't last night. I've got this figured out. You reap what you sow. Paul put it like this. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Well, that was in Galatians 6, 7 through 9. I know if I want watermelons, I must plant watermelon seed. This stuff even works in your emotions. Do you want someone to apologize to you? Then you sow an apology seed. You want your Heavenly Father to forgive you? Then it's necessary for you to forgive others. Remember Jesus saying that in Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35? Do you need joy? How about giving someone a great big smile? Yes, even if you don't feel like it. Well, I could go on and on, but do you get the picture? It is seed, time, harvest. This is the most exciting adventure you could ever dream of. God said in Malachi 3.10 to prove him or to test him, and he was talking about the giving of your tithes principle here. Try him out. Sow a seed. Wait patiently, and you'll get your harvest. I challenge you to enjoy the kingdom of God. Well, let's move on to even yet another aspect of the kingdom. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, to seek first the kingdom of God and everything that we would need would be given to us. Well, what is it you have need of? I know there are many different needs, but we're going to look at a few of them. The first thing we all need is salvation. Jesus stated in John 3, verses 3 through 5, I'll tell you the truth, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do you want to see the kingdom? Then it is a must, not an option, to be born again. Well, how do you do that? After being filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter had just preached his first sermon on Jesus being sent from God, crucified and resurrected, and the people asked him what to do. Here's Peter's answer in Acts 2, 38. 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Well, that's simple. God didn't require a hard thing. Believe, obey. Just do it. Obedience will always bring rewards. It states in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that we are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Just because you're morally upright doesn't make you born again. Have you bowed your knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Is He real to you? Is He in your head or is He in your heart? Believe, receive, obey. Reap the benefits of salvation, which brings us to the next thing. Jesus said in Luke 10, 9, Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. As the prophet Isaiah stated in his book, chapter 53, verses 4 and 5, that by the stripes that wounded him, we are healed. Matthew quoted this in Matthew eight seventeen, and Peter echoed it in 1 Peter two twenty four when he wrote, He, Jesus himself, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness, and by his wounds you have been healed. That was 1 Peter 2.24. Healing was most definitely on Father's heart. Remember Jesus saying that he didn't want to do anything apart from what he saw his Father doing, nor did he say anything apart from what he heard his Father saying. And then you find these words in John chapter 21, verse 25. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Well, that's a whole lot of healing and a whole lot of deliverance that Jesus did. Hebrews 13, 8 states that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hmm, that means he's still doing the stuff. How? Through his earth body, the church. Let's look at healing through deliverance a moment. In Matthew 15, verses 22 through 28, this scene unfolds. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. And so the disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. And Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And the woman came and knelt before him, Lord, help me, she said. And Jesus replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Matthew chapter 15. Do you realize that deliverance of unclean spirits is a covenant right? Is there torment in your life? torment that will not go away no matter what you try, then run to the master of all for deliverance. There are multitudes of people that have received relief by the touch of Jesus, not only in the past, but also today. Jesus said in Luke 11 verse 20, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. 
Oh, the kingdom of God. It is so incredible. It is so awesome, so large, and so powerful. Do you need deliverance? Do you need healing in your body or in your soul? Do you need deliverance or salvation? Then again, I quote Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, let's move right along to a, even yet a different area of the kingdom of God, His vast, awesome kingdom. Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13, we find a story about ten bridesmaids. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish took no oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. And when the bridegroom was delayed, they all lay down and slept. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and welcome him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. And then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were going to buy oil, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, the five other bridesmaids returned, and they stood outside calling, Sir, open the door for us. But he called back, I don't know you. So stay awake and be prepared, because you do not know the day or the hour of my return. That was Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus is warning us to stay in fellowship with Father, Himself, and Holy Spirit. If we quit being hungry for the things of God, quit seeking our Father's heart, quit being curious about the things of God, then our oil runs out. That brings up a question. What does the oil represent? We have to go back to the Old Testament scriptures to find the answer. All through the Mosaical writings and the prophets, you'll find God's instructions about oil. It was His commands to use oil that gives us the picture of the third person of the Trinity, Holy Spirit. From the lamp inside the tabernacle to the pouring of oil over kings, prophets, and worshipers, the oil beautifully shows us the anointing from our awesome Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit. This is whom he spoke of all through the Old Testament when he proclaimed that one day, one day, he would take our hearts of stone out and replace a heart of flesh and live in us. Oh, what a wonderful plan our Father had. Sad to say, however, the church in general has acknowledged the reality of Holy Spirit, but has politely asked him not to interfere with their lives. It would behoove us all to diligently study the Word of God and to get to know Holy Spirit intimately. I challenge you, read John chapters 14, 15, and 16 and see what Jesus says about Him. Read the book of Acts to see how He works just through ordinary people, just like you, just like me. Ask, seek, knock, search out the truths. You'll never be the same. Well, this brings us to yet another facet of the kingdom of God. Jesus said in Matthew thirteen forty-four through 46, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. 
In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field and to get the treasure too. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. That was from Matthew 13. I have a question for you. Are you willing to lay down all for the sake of the kingdom? Are you willing to lay down your preconceived ideas, your will, your own desires, and to receive God's heart and His will and His desires? If you said yes, then get ready. The kingdom of God will invade every area of your life. The Spirit of God will rush in like fresh spring water, refreshing your dry places. He will blow on you the very breath of life, revitalizing your very being, and start a fire within you that will flame into uncontrollable passion to worship your Heavenly Father. This, folks, is worth any price to pay to experience the awesome, wonderful presence of God. Participating in the kingdom will bring into our lives pardon from sin, peace, bringing pure joy, power to overcome, and power to do the works of God, and it will bring purpose into your life. Now let's summarize the whole of this program. The kingdom of God. To participate in it, we must become as little children. We must realize that it operates on farming principles of seed, time, and harvest. We must be saved to see the kingdom, which also makes available healing, deliverance, and provision. We must be ready and stay full of the oil of Holy Spirit, since we do not know the day nor the hour of Jesus' return. The kingdom is worth the search because it is a priceless treasure yielding earthly rewards, but more importantly, eternal rewards. Well, may God bless you as you search for Him and enter His kingdom. Joy Unspeakable is a production of His Joy Ministries, written and produced in Snyder, Texas. Joy Unspeakable is a listener-supported program. If you would like to order today's message or send a tax-deductible donation, please write to His Joy Ministries, Post Office Box 1378, Snyder, Texas 79550. For information about upcoming events sponsored by His Joy Ministries, log on to our website, hisjoyministries.org. Basic Construction.